<clears throat> Are we are we recording? Can I go now? Yeah, but you've got to stop clearing your throat like that. I I just had a little thing in my throat. I just needed to. Alright, well, anyway, uh, welcome to Gentlemen's Conversations, a podcast where Caleb Moton, Andrew Van Dyke, and Michael Lindstrom theorize, philosophize, pontificate, ruminate, and do far more laughing than should be allowable in any podcast. On today's episode, the fellows discuss all things gospel, from just how good the good news is, to the many ways in which Jesus is revealed throughout the entirety of the biblical narrative. I must say, I'm on the edge of my seat for this one. I'm, I'm just saying, isn't this truly a wonderful conversation? Yes, yes, but it's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, like, talk about good news. I know, but I'm just saying that this is a truly wonderful conversation that I think many people will tremendously enjoy. And I think... Hmm. Charming. Well, roll the tape. All right, we're back at it again with this whole podcast thing. <laughs> um, just Caleb and Micah today. Drew could not join us, sadly. Um, What's I, up? He's going to miss out on a good one. <laughs> yes, he'll be back soon, though. Yes, yes, he will. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about the gospel. Yeah. We're talking about foundations. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like, the gospel is like an extremely simple thing, but it's also like the most transformational thing that you could ever hear. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I feel like this could be like a very layered and deep thing that we could talk about for days. <laughs> so Indeed. We might have Life, to do like- Lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> so we might have to do like a multi-part series on this. Um to yeah. really get at all the layers of detail because we can talk about how the gospel has impacted us and how it's impacted society and how it's impacted the world and yeah. what like some of the current conceptions of the gospel are and yeah. where they're right and where they're maybe less right. Um, yeah. And I like yeah. that less right. <laughs> <laughs> I have been learning how to be extremely charitable. <laughs> Charitable and diplomatic. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the gospel (laughs) as a message, I think, has shaped the course of history in a pretty radical way. Um, Some might even say the most radical way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So... This this kind of ties into everything and we can segue endlessly. So all that to say, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, we do. So it's going to be good. Where should we start at? I mean, I would love to to start by, um, I think, describing, at least in a really fundamental way, um, like this is kind of a foundational conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like like you're just kind of how I'm, I'm approaching it as well. It's like... A, this is a, it's a very, um, it could be really broad. And I think we're going to kind of try to tighten it <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's such a fractal thing. It's something that applies to so many other things because it's so foundational. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, like I see the gospel very much at the heart of like 
you could say kind of the missiology of Jesus, like the why is he coming? Um, mm. And so understanding it, it helps you understand him, but it's also not just him. It, like it's, it's the purpose for which he comes. Right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So taking that and I, it seems like it'd be a good place to start of just saying like, what, what is, what is a gospel? Mm. So a gospel is a good news. <laughs> yeah. A news that is good. Um, yep. So if we're to talk about the gospel, it's the good news, which in a sense sounds like the ultimate good news, like mm-hmm. the best news. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so if we're to talk about anything, I feel like it has to kind of start there. So it's a very good thing. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that it's said in scripture, the gospel is to be preached throughout the whole world mm. means that it's essentially a good thing for everyone and anyone who hears it. Yeah. Um, so it's all inclusive good news, which seems to then mean that it's saying something about the situation that humanity kind of finds itself in collectively. Mm, so that actually it's, is... Because oh, it's such a universal thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which actually mm. is... Um, kind of a groundbreaking concept. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm like going out like a Jordan Peterson kind of swing. <laughs> <tangent here. laughs> <laughs> but it's it is actually kind of like a wild concept because essentially what that is saying is that um there is something about humanity that is common enough that there is a good news that applies to everyone. Yeah. Which is not necessarily obviously true. That's kind of a um yeah. a, a bold claim to mm. embrace. Um it's a I've feature, not a bug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Um so that's that's a really interesting, a really interesting thing that's kind of tied into all of this. Um it's which very makes, visible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it makes complete and total sense in the context of the story, yeah. um, which I think is a, a, an important thing to understand that the entirety of the scripture is the revelation of the gospel, mm. um, all culminating in the coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything that happens from the beginning to the end is all about revealing that to the reader Mm -hmm. Um, which has an aside is in and of itself a miracle that you could have hundreds of writers across thousands of years write one thing that works that way (laughs) right wild (laughs) right with the with the clarity um, Mm -hmm. that is uh unparalleled like that's one of the challenges and the 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 facets of um the bible as a literary thing mm-hmm. that is um so remarkable not just from kind of like a um 
analytical perspective, but mm-hmm. when you compare it to any of the other ancient texts, it just nothing compares. Just nothing at all mm-hmm. compares to the kind of of coherence that you see, even though it's not exact. Like that's that's another that's a whole different kind of subject. Mm-hmm. But the and the fact that um, yeah, even in reading some some of these texts and seeing watching between like the ministry of Jesus and the book of Isaiah, mm. it's wild. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it's like truly wild. Um, and that one of the conversations I was having this week, um, which is a little bit about this, was about the the remarkability of the gospel was not sent as as a message in the mm-hmm. sense of as knowledge. It was sent as a person. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we, you, what you get in that really beautiful place, because that is true, you get a constant dialogue between, um, I, I think this is where this is like, this departs from what we're used to seeing historically in other religions where mm. Christianity seems to be a little unique in that like if you take um, a Muslim faith you have so much interpretation. There's such a massive body of interpretation, but there's so little about the actual experiences. Like so much of their text is just divinely inspired, divinely inspired. But so much of the the biblical Christian text is so merged between historical and poetic. And especially in the life of Jesus, like it's almost like that is, that's, that's the height of an incarnational reality where the gospel is what's said, but it's also what's done. Right, right, right. It's displayed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's powerful. So all that mm-hmm. to say, this is definitely a question worth engaging with. <laughs> mm. um, of all the the questions, I think this is perhaps one of the most important questions worth engaging with. Mm. Um and so if you're someone who has not heard the gospel, or maybe if you're someone who thinks that you've heard the gospel, but you've never actually legitimately engaged with the question of what does that actually mean, hmm. um, I would say stick around. It's definitely worth engaging with, and we're going to engage with this. <laughs> um, so what would you say the gospel is, Micah? So my understanding of the gospel is really built on um, there's some texts around this that I'd love to bring up, but I think just to kind of put it in in a really simple way, um, it's really built around this understanding of um, Jesus as as a pivotal point in history that he demonstrates in the story, um, especially you're taking Jesus kind of entering the picture about 2000 years ago mm-hmm. into a history of Israel that is um, full of momentum and mm-hmm. desire and promise. Um, and he enters the picture in tension. He enters the picture in a longing for salvation. And he enters the picture in a moment of Jerusalem and Israel being under Roman rule. 
mm. which they're not unfamiliar with being in. And so the gospel is, um, in my mind, it's the message of God's willingness to come mm. and to be able to fix, <laughs> to be able to restore. Um, and even in that process to define what exactly has been lost. Mm. And so it's, it's a message of goodness of God's willingness to come and to restore. Mm. And that the meeting of those things is this, this spark, this rebellion against two, there's kind of in my mind, two main enemies that are named. <laughs> mm. um, one is Satan. Mm-hmm. The other, he's called like the the liar or the accuser, mm-hmm. and also death. Mm. And those are kind of the the um, the enemies named, and the the enemy, the deceiver, the accuser. We also see him talk about like when he's in the Jesus ends up confronting people like Pharisees or others. Um, he calls them like sons of Satan. <laughs> Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so he's simultaneously articulating like a desire to bring like if you would follow me like I would have you mm. um, a, 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 like an invitation to um, be restored to be mm-hmm. um, yeah to be met mm-hmm. and I feel like in, in so many ways so many different places of where we try to think about the gospel or explain it, those kind of basic ingredients of it's God's message of his willingness to participate, Mm. to be present and to restore. And, Mm. um, and I see that as a total commitment. Mm. I don't see that as a commitment based on us at all. Mm -hmm. I see that it's called an, um, I think, I think that's called like a, an unconditional covenant. Because mm. in the past, we have conditional covenants where if you do this, then I'll do this. Mm-hmm. And there are a few covenants. There's two, I think, previously. One is the Abrahamic covenant, and the second is the Davidic covenant, mm. where God makes a promise that is unconditional in the sense that all of the onus of, of fulfilling that promise is one directional, which in Mm. those two cases are on God. Right. And there are other covenants that are not that way. Right. And they're based on compliance. Mm. And so you get Jesus offering a redemption of the story from the going up on Sinai and God saying, I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. Mm. I want my nature to be um, like fully expressed in the earth. Mm. And I want you to receive it. Mm. And the Israelites say, no, Mm -hmm. we don't want that covenant. We want one that we can participate with in a way that we want to. We want to be like (laughs) the other nations around us. We would like for you to give us a law. Mm. And so he does. which is a really interesting thought to kind of see most the mosaic law as a kind of compromise mm. um, that God sets up as a, as a way to, and it does so much, but like Paul says, all that the law points out is futility. 
Mm-hmm. It demonstrates our inability mm-hmm. to participate. Mm. It points out the life and the frustration within mm. us. And so mm. the gospel comes in to meet that frustration and mm. it changes everything. And the only requirement that Jesus gives is not a requirement. Even later we see other texts about this, but he says like, all that was required was your belief. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I see, that's how I see the gospel is kind of God's demonstration of this profound, unlimited love. My caveat about it is that it is, uh, while it's not law, it's also not formless. Right. It doesn't have no shape. It does have shape. It does have um, a substance about it. But the requirement is not, you have to act this way and then I'll respond. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm always willing. Mm-hmm. I'm always willing to come and I'm always willing to redeem. Mm-hmm. And that looks like Jesus. So the gospel being like this, this presentness to come, this willingness to come and um, mm-hmm. yeah, a provision of all of that goodness which is why mm-hmm. we see Jesus even teaching. There's like, and I think in a, in a way, that's why Jesus teaches so much. Mm. He doesn't just come to do X, to, right. to, to just be a quote unquote sacrifice or mm-hmm. to just give people some like new government. Like that would be another alternative. Mm-hmm. He doesn't come to just establish a government. He teaches constantly. Mm-hmm. And he's constantly connecting relationally um, and giving a ton of context about the variety of, of like relationships in society. Mm-hmm. Um, but it keeps for me continually drawing back into that, the, his desire for closeness. Right. And his like, uh, what I guess he he names it later, but also really Paul gives it the phrase like the incorruptible life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot to what you just said. <laughs> there is. There is. <laughs> um, yeah. So like. <laughs> sorry. No. Sorry. <laughs> no. 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 That was very good. It mm. Gives us a great watching point. Um. Mm. So. In that there is, there's this concept of restoration. There is, and it is interesting how you kind of tied it together. Um, mm. There's this concept of restoration, and then there's also this concept of revelation of what needs to be restored, mm. um, which are are these two things that go hand in hand. Um, which indicates that somehow humanity finds itself in a position where something has been lost or broken. Um, yeah. And we're also in a position where we can't even fully identify what exactly it is that is lost or broken. Um, yeah. And that even if we could, we might ne- not necessarily be able to to fix it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And this, 
this was actually a really interesting concept. Um, Can and I say the, something real um, quick there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, and I, it's almost just to riff on that just for a second. Uh, mm-hmm. I had written this down, but in a lot of ways, like taking a lot of what I said, um, I'm even realizing in some way, just hearing you say it back in those pieces, a lot mm-hmm. of how I would describe the gospel, both its function and mm-hmm. its um, process, to me, is God's identification with us. Mm-hmm. That in like so many ways brings back both he offers, he says like the beginning of the story is he makes man in his own image. Mm-hmm. And so God becoming human is not itself a humiliation. Mm. That's not the humiliation. Mm-hmm. That's actually, uh, he's like, this was, this was my idea in the first place. <laughs> like, mm. You were mm. my idea in the first place. And this is actually, I'll, I'll tag one more thing onto this. I've definitely gotten to a place where I don't see the gospel as man messed up. Mm-hmm. Man was far from God. God came close to restore. Mm. The, the gospel is actually God made man good. Mm. Then man chose to do what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that broke relationship and broke us, <laughs> subjected mm-hmm. us to death. But God's mm. commitment to the original picture is like absolute. Mm. His mm. love and his faithfulness through the story is not that we start with corruption. We start with God's mm-hmm. intention. Right. Yeah. And I would even say to me, it's not entirely evident that the picture that you see in Genesis is the complete and total full picture of mm-hmm. the Lord's intention for man. Mm-hmm. Um, and say, say more. <laughs> yeah. The reason why I say that is because, um, well, one, I feel like we kind of have a tendency to anthropomorphize God, meaning like mm. we give him our own qualities and our own attributes mm. rather than taking who he is at face value. Mm. Um, and so as a result of that, I feel like it's kind of easy to read into that, like, all right, the Lord set up everything perfectly And then we screwed it up and the Lord is trying to bring us back to this perfect thing that he had set up in the first place. Mm, Um, Well, that that would just be a direct overreaching of of the relational, like that's at a really basic level, that's just an assumption. mm -hmm, Because even if God is a priori to all of those things, Mm -hmm. that would still be an assumption to to suggest basically back to God. Mm -hmm. Well, your whole idea about this is to bring us back Mm-hmm. Rather than to ask, like you're saying, like, well, what is your intention? What is the fullest picture then? Yeah. And I, I've, I've been having this nagging suspicion that the way that things are playing out will actually turn out to be far more beautiful than mm-hmm. if we had never messed up mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's kind of a bold claim. <laughs> um, but that's kind of been just like as I've, the more that I sit with the Lord um, and the more that I see the way that he operates, um, mm. the more convinced that I am that like, he has set us up for something greater than what we would have had had there not been a fall and that doesn't mean that like um that is not to say that there was wisdom and disobedience because that is not the case (laughs) (laughs) well why caleb why is it not the case (laughs) (laughs) because every intention that the lord has is for your good so if the lord Mm -hmm. tells you to do something it is for your benefit which Mm -hmm. then seems to kind of fly in the face of this idea that this is the the um, the best way that this whole thing could have played out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it um, also obviously asks a lot of questions of, and this just get this gets like honestly, it gets really philosophical. But mm-hmm. what's funny about it to me is how much I honestly think it's very visible in the gospel. Like when people mm-hmm. get on the idea of like, well, is this the best version or mm-hmm. what should? Honestly, the biggest one is what should I be doing. Right. What's the, what we kind of get into this weird, like, I think it's like, I would just describe it as like moral perfectionism. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't recognize in my mind, like what I see now more than ever is that God is very generous Mm. and perfectionism Mm -hmm. hates generosity. Mm. Perfectionism is obsessed with with finding the cheat sheet mm. and doing it every time perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it's full of anxiety. And we don't, we either live in that and have no idea what we're actually doing. Like we're not fully present. Mm. Um, and we're just trying to run the software of anxiety. <laughs> mm. Not realizing, and like uh, to me, this illustrates perfectly when you look at Jesus's, um, the parable about the... Um, the talents and the one guy and the correction that comes is you thought I was evil, Mm -hmm. which is really fascinating when you take that as what he's pointing out is that he's not Mm -hmm. rather than walking away from it as like, well, yeah, (laughs) he's, he's like going to come down on you. Mm. And he's, he's actually gets angry at him because that's not true about him. Mm that he's like, I'm not a bad master. Mm. And so unwinding that, like I end up, I've really seen a whole different side of that kind of question of like, it's almost like theological optimization. Mm. We try to figure out the structural elements of it mm-hmm. rather than like, there's so much more to it than that. Then mm-hmm. yeah, some of those things, which I think is beautiful because it makes a billion times more room for what you're saying hmm Yeah. I think perhaps like the clear way to say what I was thinking is that the picture that we have in Genesis is the picture up until they sinned. Mm. Um and so the way that things may have played out if they hadn't sinned could have potentially ended up in the same position that we are in now 
but there would have been like a whole other series of things that would have happened as the result of that. Um, so to, to limit the Lord and say, it couldn't have happened any other way, I don't know it's necessarily the case. But I do think that what, I think it still holds what I was originally trying to say, which is that mm-hmm. um, what I think the Lord is bringing us to is beyond where we were at the beginning, before the fall. Totally. Um, and it, it says that in, um, I think in Romans, where it talks about how the the action of the second Adam is greater than the action of the first. Not mm. in those exact words, but it makes that sort of point. Um, which follows. <laughs> right. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, comes down and does something that's going to have a greater impact than just the man by himself. Um, right, right. And so... Um, yeah. Um, well, what, what would you, I mean, going in from even, so I've kind of offered some thoughts, how would you distinctly describe, um, the gospel from a really fundamental level? Like, what does that mean for you? Hmm. Um, so I, I pretty much agree with, um, what you stated. It's the the decision of God to bring about this restoration and this wholeness to all of humanity. And I think that applies on like an individual level and a societal level and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And also I think it applies to the cosmos as a whole, like Mm. everything, not just people, but also like, nature and all of that, like everything that is broken being completely restored, which is why it talks mm-hmm. about how um, all of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Mm-hmm. There's something in what the Lord has done that brings this deep restoration for everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there is also an element in which it is like you were saying a revelation of um what is missing like where the wound is it locates the wound and it heals it Mm -hmm. um and i think history up to the point of the coming of jesus and the way that god interacts with man up to Mm. that point perfectly reveals where the issue is Mm. um and so can you give a little more detail for that because i feel like that's a really great thought actually so like you see um okay so what happens at the beginning in the beginning god creates the heavens and the earth Mm. and he makes man in his own image And the way that he makes man is very interesting. Um, So this is an interesting thing that I think might be helpful for people to think about. When it talks about like the heavens and the earth, Mm -hmm. um, the way that in um, sort of the Hebraic 
tradition that they were kind of thinking of those concepts. Heavens is like the spiritual reality and earth is like the physical reality or the material reality. Mm. Um, and the, um, the creation of man is like an outlet for the spiritual reality to mix and come into the material reality mm. because man is made from dust, which is material reality and then filled with the breath of God, which is spiritual reality. So mm. man is a combination of both earth and spirit. Mm. And so in that position, man is the perfect creation to bring about the realities of what is happening in the spirit and in the heavens into mm. the earth, which is then why the Lord sets man over all of creation and says, I've given you dominion over everything. Mm. Um, and then why he forms the animals in front of man and has him name them. And I think mm. in the, the Hebraic tradition, the name is associated with the purpose of a thing. So right. this is more than just Adam saying like, oh, that's a lion and that's a, <laughs> there's this, right. uh, there's a sense in which Adam is actually entering into this like co-laboring process of creation with the Lord and sort of establishing rules of like what is happening on the earth and what these things are right. doing. Right. Because um, naming, naming actually connotates from a Hebraic view, um, something's function. Right. Right. Um, not its state or that's a Greek thought, like something's mm. state of being or its um, conceptual sense. It's actually mm. its functional sense. So what, what something is named is actually like what it does. Right, right, exactly. Um, this is why like when the Lord, <laughs> it's wild because when the Lord um, in Hebrews, was it 30 or no, Exodus 34? or 36 mm. or 35, I can't remember, but where he passes before Moses and he proclaims his name, he talks mm. about his function and his purpose and what he does. And that's like mm -hmm. the first revelation of the character of God that we see in scripture. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yep. Yep. he sets man in this position um, and then he gives him this garden within creation and he says, you can do whatever you want in here eat whatever you want, except for this one tree, don't eat that. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, and man, it's like, okay, great, great. And then the serpent comes along um, and the serpent goes to Eve and the serpent says, hey, uh, why don't y'all eat from that tree? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Eve is like, well, the Lord said that... Um, if we eat from this tree, it's going to kill us. <laughs> we'll die. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> In those um, exact words. <laughs> For sure. The Caleb translation. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Um, and then the serpent says, no, 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 no. You won't surely die. Mm. But what God knows is that if you eat from this tree, you'll be like God knowing good and evil. Mm. Um. So the and, serpent makes an insinuation about God. Yeah. He he's he says something that's quite incendiary there. Cause he yeah. says, The Lord told you something that was not true. You thought you yeah. knew this about the Lord. And really, 
this other thing about the Lord is what's true. And then Eve does something that we have all been doing from that point, (laughs) Mm. which then Eve is like, okay, who do I trust? Who do I believe? Let let me look at this tree. This looks good for food. Mm. I'm gonna believe myself. (laughs) (laughs) And so then she takes from the tree and she eats it and she gives Mm. it to Adam and Adam eats it also. Um, And then it says in that moment, they know that they're naked and up to that point they didn't. and mm. so the Lord comes and he sees them in this position. Um, and they hide from God. Yeah. Um, which also shows like a misunderstanding of his character because we know later in the way that Jesus is like the perfect representation of the Father. Mm. And he invites everyone to come to the Father. Um, in their position of sinfulness. Yeah. They didn't understand that, so they hid. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, the first question that God asks in the garden is, where are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that God does not know mm-hmm. where they are. And not, mm-hmm. and it, he's just completely disorienting that that's even really what is going on. Mm-hmm. We We feel when we see like they had shame for their body, but they're also like, that's perfectly reflected in the fear. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. his, it, his, he demonstrates his desire of like, where are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also reveals that like, you're not quite seeing me as I am right now. Yeah. Um, because you're mm. in this position of hiding and you haven't come to me to like restore this thing. Yeah. Um, because if yeah. we're to say that the gospel is that God restores, it follows that God could restore then too. Because mm. um, he doesn't change. Um, right. So there's this, this misidentification there. So, yeah. So they they come before the Lord, um, and the Lord deals out these consequences to each one. Um, mm-hmm. The most severe, <laughs> for sure, for the serpent. <laughs> I mean, that's um, not a small theological realization, too, because we see it play out. Mm in the gospel itself as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In John, John 17, John 16. Yep. Um, yep. That was actually, okay. Do you mind if I bring in one of these texts? No, oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, um, yeah, I had a few texts I wanted to bring to this and this is kind of one of them actually. So John 16, seven is the end of, um, Jesus having a really, uh, crucial, really beautiful, really, um, truthful, like unveiled moment with his disciples um, Mm -hmm. just before everything begins to change um, at the end of his ministry before his death. And so John 16, 
Um, this is also right before what's called the high priestly prayer that I think begins mm-hmm. right after this in John 17. Mm-hmm. But this he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Mm. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Mm. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Which even in that, like you've been saying, and I, I, I agree with this wholeheartedly, that so that honestly a really deep drink of the gospel is actually revelation. Mm. Uh, it's revelatory. Um, mm-hmm. And so he says this, he names exactly <laughs> what uh, the main elements of this revelation are that the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is going to do. Um, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning mm-hmm. sin because they do not believe in me, mm-hmm. concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in that list of things uh, is there a judgment of man. Mm. It doesn't exist in the gospel. Mm. That's not. <laughs> and and so it's like remarkable. And also just to remap that to what you were saying, like um, the serpent gets the heavy hand. Mm. He gets the heaviest response of God, which is judgment. Not just, and this is, I think maybe even an interesting thing. We could talk about this on another episode at some point, but like, the part of how I I understand judgment, especially when it comes to God's judgment, it's that the judgment of um, you did this, so now this is what you deserve. Mm. And so it's an accompanied action, a response to what's done. And so the gospel is precisely good news because it's not a levy of judgment on man. Mm. God is suspending, <laughs> he is um, holding back, not, mm. uh, not just judgment, he's holding back death. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's the fruit. And that's where this is a complete reversal of our experience is mm. that it is the enactment of mercy that is his judgment for us, on us, mm. is to uphold mercy and not from himself. Mm-hmm. It's not he's saying, I won't smite you. He could. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we that's you know, that's something that we're gonna get into in a little bit. But he's not just with he's not like his left hand holding back his right hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's actually he's actually putting himself between us and death. Mm-hmm. And between us and the liar. Mm-hmm. And the gospel is look me in the eyes. Mm. let me tell you the story. Mm-hmm. Let me show you what's true, <laughs> mm. which is why Jesus, he says like, and he says it actually in the middle of this too, where Thomas, I think it's Thomas responds to him about just show us the father. Mm. And Jesus is like, have I not been with you this long? And you don't see yet mm. that like, I am, <laughs> mm. I, he's in me mm. and I'm in him. 
And we end up mixing up, I, I, and I've learned it backwards in other ways, in ways that never really connected with this realization that um, that gospel is that. And so God is actually, he is dealing with our enemies, but he's doing it for us. He's doing mm. it. He's doing it mercifully and patiently and powerfully, and most of all, redemptively. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. That's... <laughs> this is deep. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. going into the deep waters. <laughs> we are. Here we are. It's nice. Good waves. Good chop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, and I don't, I don't, we don't necessarily need to go down that road just wholesale yet, but mm-hmm. I, I wanted to, to kind of add that as a textual piece of, of like what you're saying about mm-hmm. how we see this play out in the beginning of the story, or even you could say as in the poetry of Genesis. Mm-hmm. This pattern that's illustrated um, is that he begins a process, I think, and you can kind of either pick up with that or if you want to respond to something I said. Yeah. Game. So, just to quickly wrap like the the history thing. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, he begins this process of revealing what has happened to men. Mm-hmm. Um and this happens with like Cain and Abel, um, which was actually like a really interesting concept in that podcast you showed me earlier. Um yeah. the idea that the the sacrifice of Cain um, was not enough. But then ultimately, the sacrifice of Abel, of Abel also was mm. not enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, to actually bring about like true restoration. Yeah. Um, that shocked me. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we see play out on a much larger scale and perhaps in much more clarity with the Mosaic law, mm. um, where the constant sacrifice of, of um, and I, I liked the, the idea of it being these sacrifices are less um, to, to appease God, because that's actually a very... Um, pagan concept that's like yeah, the way that yeah. all of the surrounding peoples would have been thinking about sacrifices yeah yep. um these sacrifices were actually um a remembrance of the the primary issue the fall like where we see the lord sacrifice these mm. animals at the beginning to clothe men Mm-hmm. Um, it being like remembrance and acknowledgement and, and it, well, essentially an art piece. <laughs> um, straight up, straight up. That's true. Honest, like, <laughs> honestly, like sort of performing this, this remembrance of mm-hmm. what has happened and the place where we really are, like acknowledging the, this state of men. Can you, can you do something for me too? Yeah. I, I would love to hear you describe because I feel like that's such a it's such an important thought. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there would also be a really uh 
really interesting way to to put that like in non Christianese terms, mm-hmm. like culturally. Mm. <laughs> like, how do we see that in American life? You know, where the cycle just goes round and round. Right. Right. Huh. I don't know. What would? Do you have an idea in mind of what you would think of being a mm-hmm. a similar? Um, I mean, one is is like, uh, hmm. it is hard. <laughs> it's challenging. <Yeah. laughs> but it, what I think, even for me, it's kind of challenging because I I just in so many ways like I I. I source from that like codification of Christian language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love to speak in shorthand, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe you know that that is kind of a way to put it. Is like in our time, um, we are experiencing so much cultural um, uh, angst. Mm. There's a lot of fear and frustration, and as people are bringing. Um, these all these different expectations of cultural ideals we often run so fast and speak say so much without saying very much at all mm. um and that seems to satiate our like need and uh whether it's you know talking about politics finding someone to blame um, oh, talk, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We we like so quickly never really say anything meaningful. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. don't really involve ourselves in the in in what's going on, and so we end up saying all these things that, in a lot of ways, are like either just really meaningless, or um, and so when when we, on the other hand, encounter artists that are truly revelatory, digging into like why. <laughs> <laughs> what it what does that mean for it to be revelatory mm. um is is because it's it's not doing that it's no longer enacting just the same cycle just the same shorthand mm. doing the same thing again and again um and it's not innovation or just novelty that's driving that but like a a real um i, I would say like a presentness Mm. Which is why, like, what we were kind of referencing was a podcast with Chris Green, mm. um, and he's and he talks about how he talks about how um, what the real purpose of the sacrifice was and the law, even in its later forms, it actually never served to satiate God. Mm. It served to remind us, right, that we have a need. Mm-hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that orientation from rather than like, I just need to do the sacrifice. He's pointing out, he's like, that was not the point. Mm -hmm. That was never the goal. Um, So like, I think maybe like a cultural kind of form of that is like how um, our relationship culturally with art. Mm. Mm. This deepening of the soul and the beautification of society it's not just economics and it's not just an outlet to blow off steam. Mm. It's meaningful. Mm-hmm. And to begin to grasp the substance um, begins to, what it starts to do, I think, to go beyond Christianese stuff and talk about like, in a sense, the, the gospel in art. Mm-hmm. The gospel in art to me is the beautification of the world. Mm. Mm. 
is to begin to tell the truth about the world we live in, us individually and us socially, Hmm. because we're moving beyond just telling blithe, meaningless things uh, or just quote unquote, making people feel good. It's Hmm. this real like transposition of reality. It's this portal Hmm. um, for the mind, the heart, the body to be fully engaged Hmm. and in a way that feels like this kind of like cultural analog, you know, mm. of, of not just in the language of like <laughs> sacrificing Jesus. Mm. Um, uh, but it, it also like, I say those things to like sometimes spur my own imagination or spur mm. whoever's listening just to like see other ways. Cause I, I think Jesus is not locked into a certain way of thinking. He's the one trying to like Nicodemus actually, that was another text mm. of realizing that one of the most famous texts about defining the gospel is like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's mm. a response to Nicodemus, who he says just the paragraph before, you call yourself the teacher of Israel, but you don't even understand mm. the most basic thing mm. about mm. the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's both compassionate and challenging that Nicodemus realizing that he was so, he is so myopic. Mm -hmm. He was so closed in and it's beautiful that he's even willing to talk to Jesus. (laughs) Mm. Cause for a lot of them, that was, um, you know, he's this unwieldy character, Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And he's this man who some are beginning to call the Christ, Mm. you know, and all those connotations, but Jesus's response to him is still truthful. Like you call yourself the teacher of Israel. You don't even understand the first thing about heaven. How are you going to understand much else of what I say? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm. And so I I feel like maybe even this is just to connect this to some of our other thoughts. I feel Mm. like those are good practices Mm. to try to get outside of the like normal language things uh, and see how it connects or see how, um, is there another way to say this? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a wild tie. <laughs> I would never have thought of that. <laughs> so um. <laughs> Um, we're we're learning. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. this is like <laughs> actively figuring out what we're saying as we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I and I do I do that. I'm learning so much about that too. Like this this is why this is such a great practice for me, mm-hmm. um, both to express and also to process. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. just find those find those ties and or even just like even what I'm saying, I'm trying to practice at the moment is that of like. Um, <laughs> why not jargon this up? Hmm. Yeah. So I don't remember where we were before that. Um, yeah. We were talking about sacrifice. Yes. Um, oh yeah. 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 I was just going to say the, 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 the concept of, um um 
the concept of the sacrifice not being enough is like explicitly stated in Romans and Galatians, where it talks about how the, um, sorry, not the concept of the sacrifice not being enough, the concept of the law not being enough. Yes, it's explicitly yeah. stated in Romans and Galatians, where he talks about um, the purpose of the law being to reveal sin, um, yeah. not to bring righteousness. Um, and so there is this process where, um, and sin means to miss the mark. So there's this process where the Lord yeah. kind of reveals where the mark is being missed. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I give a, a brief uh, definitional thing there too? Yeah. So I heard this, the the, the phrase, the um, to miss the mark mm-hmm. um, is a little bit debated too, because mm. in some sense it, it describes something. Mm-hmm. I really loved how Damon Thompson has talked about um, to take that further, sin is um, in some sense described as formlessness, mm. a, a, a lack of uh, form, lack of substance, mm. um, a kind of chaos. Mm-hmm. And so sin, sin describes that lack of image, mm. that lack of identity. Mm. Mm. And so it's this disjunction between the who you are and what you're doing. Right. Um, this this break between those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Operating out. That's that's. This is weird. That the um, the idea of man as this union of earth and heaven, built to bring forth the heaven reality into yeah. earth, yep. then makes sense. Um, because it missing the mark is essentially living outside of the purpose of the creation. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. if you are operating from who you actually were created to be, then you can't miss the mark. Um, yeah. Which then it becomes very compelling in First John where mm. <laughs> he says... Um, he who sees the father does not continue to sin. He who yeah. sins has neither seen him nor knows him. Right. Um, right. So that's that's saying something very powerful about what it means to know the father and to see him is to yeah. have your identity revealed to you so that you can operate in the purpose that the Lord has established from you for the beginning. Right. And it does, I, I love that thought too, because of, to me, uh, it feels like such a lightning rod mm. for understanding uh, both Jesus and the gospel, like the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus mm. within that that marriage. Because <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. if you take that that kind of cheaper version of like, to sin is to misbehave, right. then what you end up lacking is, a, a, a mark by which to judge. Mm. We, we either have to go with a really cheap version of God, which is God only cares about me behaving according to the law. Mm-hmm. Then we, we, we get kind of the hard master version of God. Mm-hmm. We get the judgmental perfectionist mm-hmm. rather than, Jesus, who is a son, mm-hmm. beloved, like that's his first, 
that's the first kind of revelation about what we see in Jesus in the baptism of the Jordan is, this is my beloved son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would, I would go so far as to argue that to cling to the harsh judgmental um, image of God is to really not to be very engaged with the text itself, just because yeah. there's so much contradiction to that, both in um, the way that Jesus operates. And we know that Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father, as it says in yeah. Hebrews. Um, and but that's an important point. Yeah. Um, yeah. We miss that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it is um, the reality that if you want to understand the Father, um, that means understanding Jesus. Um, And if you don't understand Jesus, or if your revelation of the Father is somehow disconnected from the person of Jesus, then you're not actually seeing the Father as he is. Mm. Um, Wow. So... That's good. Yeah. I, and that I would just say, just t- my tiny little sticky note to that is, that is the gospel. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is the corrective lens. Yep. That Jesus is 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 like literally, um, it's the gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See me. Mm-hmm. See me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he keeps offering himself. And I, I think in a, in like, in honestly so many ways, and I'm learning this more and more, like that's also the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's, that's the person that God is tempting us to believe mm. that he is mm. tempting us away from our versions um, or our idols or our mm. obsessions mm-hmm. or our um, even cages Mm-hmm. the things that we feel so trapped by um, and that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are like so, so tempt. They, they come to us and I, I use this almost kind of humorously, but like he comes to tempt us to mm-hmm. believe something better mm-hmm. about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's very hard not to fall into when you see <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I don't want to go down that path. I was going to bring up a passage in Hebrews, but that's just a whole other, <laughs> <laughs> whole other can of worms. Um, I did want to talk about judgment, though. Um, yeah. Let's do it. Because so you said that. Um, it was an interesting point that you brought up where in um, John 16, where he describes the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he yeah. says, um, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment because the ruler yeah. of the, this world is judged. Yeah. Um, and then um, later on in... Um, Revelations, we have different pictures of judgment, um, and actually all throughout the New Testament, where it talks about um, Jesus doing the judging. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. What 
how does that play into the gospel? Um, mm. Yeah, what is the connection there? Yeah. So, it's mm, an interesting question. <laughs> I feel so. Like in in my my understanding, when I when I begin to incorporate revelation, um, mm-hmm. and and uh, we see Jesus doing this with the Old Testament. And I think mm. we see Jesus doing this with the the um, what we see of him in Revelation. Mm-hmm. He's still acting like the gospel is is God correcting right. our view of him. Mm. Um, and I think he does that a few ways. He does that uncontrollingly. Mm. Um, he is not abusive, <laughs> right? Um, He's not threatening, maybe. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. I've realized that that's not in the vocabulary of God. Right. Um, Which kind I, of, just as a quick aside, um, I feel like a lot of the way that we preach the gospel today, yeah, and yep. I think this is a consequence of us, we've been in this period of really letting go of this religious mindset that was incorrect. Um yeah where we intended to spread the gospel through our own strength versus by the strength of God. And this has been something Mm -hmm. that's been going on in the church historically for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the Catholics, um, the Holy Roman Catholic Empire spreading the gospel through military conquest and then the Jesuits through Inquisition. Um, So like through actual violence, (laughs) trying to get people to embrace the gospel. And then it's slowly died down to um, more mind games. How do I manipulate you to embrace this thing? Um, Which I think has a lot more to do with our own, I want to say guilt, even, I don't know if it's quite guilt. But the the motivation that it's coming from is this, I need to do something to share this so that um, Mm. either to, so sometimes it does come from like a genuine place of like, I need to save people from some harm, be it like hell or the harmful lifestyle that they're involved in or et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, That seems to Mm. be a somewhat altruistic thing. In some cases, it's even less than that. It's more like, I just need to do this to feel better about myself. Um, But that is not quite, I've I've never seen any example of anything like that in scripture. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think the reason for that is because the gospel is so good that that's not really necessary. (laughs) You don't have to like beat somebody over the head to get them to embrace it. And so the problem is that we haven't really been preaching the gospel all this time and less that people's hearts have become so hard that they can't accept it, which um, leads me to believe that the church, the world is not actually in a position where they're ready to persecute the church yet. Um, right, right, right. And so the fear of persecution that we have in the church right now, I think, is 
a little bit misplaced. They are ready to persecute you if you don't embrace the gospel. But if you embrace the gospel, they're not ready to persecute you yet. Mm. Um, but yeah, at least not in the well, West. Let me jump in. There's a couple of good ones in there too, because you looped it back in a good way. So mm-hmm. part of what I understand in, in Revelation, because um, for some people, their eschatology, like their belief about like, where is this going? Um, mm-hmm. What will the, what will the end be like? Um, those qualities. Um, I, you know, even when there is that, that, really, uh, I was going to say something kind of funny, the rager debate <laughs> about mm. like universalism and Rob Bell. Mm. One of the, one of the qualities, the, the parts of that conversation, not, not to switch, I'm not switching rails to talking about universalism, but one of the things that did get illustrated there, I thought was really helpful and really remarkable, which is the concept of a poetic understanding of something. Mm-hmm. And the realization that a poetic understanding of something is not necessarily a lesser or softer mm-hmm. understanding of something. So now, rather than reading Revelation for its uh, an expectation that it will be a historical prophetic roadmap um, of a pattern, I've been seeing how in so many ways Revelation sets an expectation um, mm-hmm. that is, first of all, oriented on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And second of all, is oriented on um, um, not the world, but us. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to illustrate the world to us. It's meant to illustrate us to us. Mm-hmm. It's God's way of speaking to us. And the way that I heard it taught was that revelation is exactly what the first two verses of it describe it as. It, mm. it says, this is a revelation of Christ Jesus. Mm. So the book is not a revelation of the future or the world or the end. Mm. It is meant to illustrate to us, to our hearts and to our mind, um, more about him. And then it also says quite a bit in a way through that about us. Right. And part of what that is an illustration of is um, the marriage picture, mm. which it says you're betrothed to him. Mm. And it's a call to despite everything, whatever comes, do not leave mm. this covenant. Do not depart from this no matter what happens. Mm. And so to me, it's less of a way to, I mean, this might sound a little cringy, but like it's not a way for Christians to tarot card read the future. Mm. Mm. It's not a way for us to divine what to do next. Mm. It's a way to understand the character with which to understand whether or not Mm. (laughs) we are walking as we should walk. It's Mm. a way to keep your eyes set on him who is the darling of heaven. Wow. And to follow that despite everything. Mm. That to me is what maps back to Jesus uh, in his ministry, in the declaration of the gospel, Mm. is rather than having a conflicting picture of 
Jesus on earth and Jesus in revelation, <laughs> mm-hmm. you actually get the same picture mm-hmm. and you see his willingness to, to do anything. Um, and then was that, there was another thought too that I had, but I'm not recalling what it was. Um, you said some great stuff. Oh, thank um, you, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Some of those things that you mentioned are like actually really, they're really great. They're really important. Mm. Um, but that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Um, mm. Can you, du- can you double on what, what the question was as well? Cause that might trigger, that might. Um, like what is um, judgment and how judgment connects to the gospel? Yes. Yeah. So this is kind of the second, I guess my second thought about that is with that in mind, that kind of thought in hand about revelation. Mm-hmm. I don't have an expectation that revelation or, you know, the second coming of Jesus is about a fiery judgment of the earth. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, uh, how do I say this? It is, It may look like that, but mm. I, what is, what it, what is apparent to me is that that's not my problem. Mm. Mm-hmm. And mm. so the judgment, the way that I see, and for most of my adult life, um, that verse in John 16 has been one of the most dear and revelatory things to me about Jesus mm. and about his heart. Uh, mm. and about the way that he is, is that maybe I'll say this about judgment. The question is, what's my job and what's not? Right. And I think a lot of the the church, this is what I would say, and I say this with uh, a kind of treading lightly because I don't, I don't have it in me. I don't want to bash the church. Mm. Um, what I want, what I hope is that the church comes to really understand its purpose. Mm. Um, in the right light. Mm. And I don't see, I don't see anywhere in, especially even really Paul's gospel. Mm. um, He does not busy himself with the world. Mm. He busies himself with the gospel that Jesus articulates to Nicodemus, that God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. And that he gave everything to tell the whole truth and the whole story. Mm. And that's, and I actually, what I understand when I, when I see that, that verse too, about like the judgment of the ruler of this world now stands condemned. I, I, I rest myself on the judgment of God is his mercy. Mm. The ju- the mercy of God is not opposed to, it's not in contrast. It's not a counterweight. Mercy is not a counterweight to his judgment or justice. Mm -hmm. To me, his justice and the good news is that his justice is his mercy. Mm. That's his extraction of justice on the liar. Mm. Mm. Is that he's better than that. Mm. And that for the, and that's why I think it, it, there's a, there's a, there's a, I think there's a real longing that gets articulated um, when Jesus is teaching on the Sermon of the Mount that those who want mercy will get mercy. Mm. It is not raising the moral bar. Right. It's 
kind of describing how Jesus is willing to walk through walls for anyone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's another part of this, like <laughs> this radical hope that mm-hmm. is, that is actually burning at the heart of the gospel, not um, a weight of another, you know, be afraid. Mm. I think maybe that's another way that I would really describe it. And I kind of started with it, but I guess I would really just continue with it. Like, I just don't think, I, and I don't see anywhere that it's really evident that like God is manipulative or abusive. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. not trying to do circles around us to trip us and get us to fall into thinking the right thoughts and believing the right things. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's much more genuine than that. Mm. It's much more face to face. It's mm. much more patient and much more, um, yeah, just generous. All right. Um, and and that leads me to like I see a real fusion between if I was to say what do I think about judgment? Mm-hmm. Um, I think my role in relationship to God's judgment is His patience. Mm. That's mm. me uh, tripping the enemy hard. <laughs> mm. When I refuse to rush the end that I think should happen, mm-hmm. I offer the kingdom. Mm. And not, a, not passivity. I'm not talking about passivity. I'm not talking about disengagement. I'm talking about patience. I'm talking about a desire for the good of others that is... Uh, Ultimately, I don't see, I don't know of anything more gooder mm. than Jesus. Mm-hmm. His friendship, his love, his healing, his government, his um, thinking, mm. <laughs> his emotions. Mm. I think God has emotions. Mm. I think God has a body. <laughs> I think mm. he likes coffee. <laughs> I, th- I think he really likes wine. <laughs> And I think he can smoke some Italian chefs. <laughs> he knows how to navigate a steel uh, pan like no one else. <laughs> I think he's an artist. Mm. I I do not think he's a distracted person. Mm. And I think that 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 is like in a lot of ways those are those are begin those those many ways begin to be a fractal. Um, uh, revelation of like a way to actually is- experience God um, in an undistracted way. Like these things fuel the gospel, like the demonstration of mm. um, God loves you. Mm. Mm-hmm. God is not far away. Right. God is capable. Mm. And those things feel like such a profound fusion. Um, they those things all in the same kind of li- in a in a life lived um, feel so deeply like um, both the gospel, but they also feel to me like the heaviest tool that God loves to leverage mm. to shatter the false judgments. Mm. And it takes something of that substance to to shame the wisdom of the world. And I include Christian law keeping and Judaizing mm. in that category. I mm. think God uses 
people who have given in to his his loving kindness. That's mm-hmm. the word that is used to describe when they say like the the faithfulness of God, the mm-hmm. loving kindness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he leans on. <laughs> <laughs> he leans hard uh, and it just destroys, it breaks the back of law, of the, the anxious law keeping mm. um, that keeps us distracted mm. and busy believing a lot of lies about ourselves. And honestly, it keeps us far from his healing. It mm. keeps us far, far from uh, understanding who we're talking. We, I mean, a lot of people will get busy, um, talking about things they don't know anything about. Mm. Um, and I say that with the, 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 the kind of like, in a lot of ways, I would say that would be my story. Mm. And Jesus has given me a way out of that way of life. Mm. And I think that, that I've coming to recognize that that was his purpose in this weird way, always it always follows me around that he's like, yeah, that's my actual judgment. <laughs> mm. My that's that's me punching the devil in the face, mm. <laughs> mm. seeing you thrive, seeing mm. you know me, seeing you being restored, and that's why I also really love the picture of like the. It's to me, it's a real beautiful demonstration of God when mm. Paul holds in his hands both you are saved and you are being saved. Mm. Like, I think that means quite a, quite a lot. And I think it really shines also a really beautiful light on when, when we, if we try to describe God's judgment or God saying, this is what you deserve. Mm. And to me, the gospel is the demonstration of God saying, I decided. (laughs) You deserve mercy. Mm. And I really want you, I want you to look me in the eye Mm. and tell me what you want. Mm. Tell me what you believe. Mm. What do you believe about me? Mm. And I feel like, cause I, I, and I think maybe in a, if I was to kind of try to textually root that in my mind, that's Paul talking about, um, is it Paul? He's talking about like, he's done these things to demonstrate to spiritual authorities. Mm. Oh yeah, that's Paul. Yep. Yeah. First or second Corinthians, I think. I think it's first. I could be wrong, but that's definitely Paul. Yeah. It's Corinthians. (laughs) It's it's Corinthians though. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I now like that's, that's how I see that um, kind of enactment of, of judgment is um, I've even heard people talk about like healing, like a belief in like, do we believe that God heals people, that the Holy Spirit heals people? Mm-hmm. And I've heard it said, and I, I think I really do still believe this, that he, him healing people is also his justice. Mm. Mm. His justice. And so if you, if you then <laughs> see how judgment and justice uh, combine uh, and just how they relate to each other rather than, his judgments being a function of his justice. And if you think his justice is kind of like God's wrath, Mm -hmm. then you will see the world that way. You will Mm -hmm. want and expect quote unquote evil people to get their due. Mm -hmm. 
And I, mm. I've just always felt, and I, and I think I've learned in other ways now, like I, I don't see that anywhere in the gospel. Mm. What I hear is God saying, we, you don't always know where someone will end up, mm. but you should tell them what he's mm. really like. Mm. And in it, they may be saved. Like in it, they may find spiritual life. Um, mm. And like Jesus says with the woman at the well, like I could offer you water. You would ask me if you knew. Mm. And I feel mm. like that's like the the job and in some sense, the enactment of that judgment. Um, <laughs> our participation in God saying, the ruler of this world now stands condemned. Mm-hmm. It's because I think God is not holding back force against uh, spiritually the liars. Mm. Like condemning mm. spirits, binding spirits. Oh, that was actually very deep what you just said. Mm. That might have changed everything for me. <laughs> He's That's not holding powerful. back force. Yeah. Mm. Against mm-hmm. those things. He is not He's not playing games. Mm. Mm. That's why it says in Acts that Jesus went around doing good and destroying every work of the devil. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. Mm. And that that um, we see language for this in um, Isaiah two, in Isaiah mm. thirty, yes. and it, you also see language that like kind of parallels some of these things in um, some of the other prophets too, like Ezekiel and um, Jeremiah, where the Lord is like talking about places, but he's clearly not. <laughs> yeah, he's yes. really talking about spiritual things. Um, yeah. And it talks about um, um, the Lord's response to Assyria being to um, music. <laughs> and he mm. says every blow of the rod that will hit the back of the oppressor will be to the sound of timbrels and harps. Wow. Um, <laughs> and and you see this um, very clear picture of how the Lord is going to deal with the oppressor. Yes. Um, yeah. Which, I don't know if this is a good question to ask, <laughs> but I don't think this would be a question that either of us can really answer at this mm-hmm. time, but maybe one day, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. is what what is separating um, that oppressor from us engaging in oppression in this way? And it mm-hmm. could be the, um, it could have something to do with the actual state of man has like a conduit for the spirit into the material. I think that mm. works with the Lord. I think that works with darkness too. Mm. Um, mm. But I don't really know. That's actually something that I've been asking the Lord about lately. Um, Can you clarify it again for me? What the, uh... um, essentially the question is like, 
with the level of mercy that the Lord has extended towards us, um, that level of mercy does not seem to be at all extended (laughs) towards like demonic forces. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, so I would say this. uh, Can mm, I I get a little nugget on that? Mm -hmm. In my mind, my understanding of of that is I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to use a metaphor or um, speak to it in just a different sense. Mm. I think there is a, there's some, there's some texts that point to this um, kind of justification for this thinking. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like one of the, the differentiators is faith. Mm is there is a relational component here and a trust component, which is very continuous for us. Even honestly, what you said right at the beginning mm. about one of, one of the more uh, upsetting um, and um, I would just say provocative um, qualities of Jesus uh, and, and his, um, the gospel of Jesus is gospel of God is that he longs to treat all of us in us in like the same way mm. he longs for everyone to know him rightly to mm-hmm. be in that right relationship with him mm-hmm. um, I think spiritual things in in the nature of them being spiritual have already seen him right and they've already decided they don't want that Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, whereas in man, even honestly, and I've just been thinking about this in other ways. The because uh, so if we talk about um, yeah, I'll say this first. And I think for man, we we experience uniquely the patience of God. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what's different. Mm-hmm. That's what's uh, underpinning why like there isn't mercy quote-unquote, for spiritual realities. Mm-hmm. Um, because in, in, in a lot of ways, like, those things are already set eternal. Right. Um, but man, we experience, I mean, even in some sense, this is where, like, we transposed onto Jesus that he... Um, or I'll say it this way because that wouldn't really be true. We transposed onto Jesus a a lack of mystery mm. when we talk about his death and resurrection. Mm. And we speak very hastily when, and honestly much more like unspiritually, <laughs> mm. when, and maybe, you know, actually this is a really fascinating thought. It makes more sense to the carnal mind, to mm-hmm. a law-giving mind, mm-hmm. that that God like died, mm-hmm. and because He did all the right things, mm-hmm. God resurrected Him. Mm-hmm. That's not what Paul says about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's in a lot of ways not what Jesus says about it. He says because of the incorruptible nature, right? Life consumed death when death Mm -hmm. tried to swallow up life Mm -hmm. death died Mm -hmm. 
And that's what the early church fathers say. Mm-hmm. But we have fallen into the trap of believing that because Jesus did all the right things, mm. he like deserved, um, he accomplished something that we were quote unquote meant to accomplish. And that's not it. Like he didn't, he did accomplish something, but mm. he didn't, it's not it. His accomplishment was us. He says, mm. for the joy set before us, the joy is not the cross. Mm. The cross is God's willingness to suffer. Like that's where Chris Green mentions too. He's like kind of talking about how, and he's men- I think he's referencing somebody else as well, but mm. that we are not, um, Jesus becoming human is not the humiliation. Right. It's Jesus dying. Mm. It's mm. an unjust death. Mm. That's the humiliation, mm-hmm. not his being human. Mm. And so I, f- I just find that there's so much mystery. And I say that not to say that something that's not articulatable. I kind of mean power. Mm. Like there is um, something very full of gravity and full of weight and full of our, <laughs> full of what we're called into mm. um, that God is like resurrecting us. Mm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that articulates this weird relationship with time that we have. Right. That we could be born into death and be made alive again mm-hmm. is like an anomaly, <laughs> mm. which I think is kind of like what he's talking about when he says like the angels will look on mm. and they will marvel. And it's also the way I think worship has power. Mm. Mm. because it's a it is such an actively minded and it's meant to be a whole person mind soul body Mm. um like recognition and the weight of the presence um to respond to god appropriately right and so that that's the kind of what comes to mind is that like spiritual realities have have in some sense always witnessed Mm. Mm. these things and and have either rebelled or or not or may remained faithful fidelity right to and i i mean i i very willingly would you know it's not meant to be a metaphor i was just thinking about this the other day but i really love to kind of ascribe to um like tolkien's Mm. universe (laughs) of thoughts that god that god made all things and he made them all to reflect a part of the way that he is. Mm. But some of them and some of us um, have preferred rather than God's song, we've preferred our own ideas. Mm. And all that that ever creates is either chaos or self-obsession. And in that self-obsession, we become uh, empty of life. And there is a there is a death and a nothingness and a and a and a destruction and a violence that is birthed from that. And so, mm. part of even answering the questions of suffering, it's not that God caused these things, but mm. that mm. we have had to endure them because of us. Right. <laughs> We've had to endure them, and so all the more, um, rather than proselytizing, like a kind of a version of, of like a progressive, like everybody just be nice to each other. <laughs> um, it's like, yes, um, but what will it take mm. to do that? Mm. <laughs> uh, and is that and is, and is that even the extent 
Mm. Um, and then not, not, I don't say that in an accusatory way towards those who are progressive because there's a whole, a whole variety of people who believe different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather to say that, um, even like, I love the way that you said it back to me earlier about like the gospel brings both redemption, but also a revelation mm-hmm. of the intention. Mm-hmm. And I, I, th- I think that is kind of what we, we find ourselves at the heart of in being human, um, is that his patience and his mercy, um, have laid on us love. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel. That's what I think. And I said a lot of things to get to that thought, but mm-hmm. that's how I feel about why we are where we are and what I have come to expect from God mm. that his patience and his, his goodness has all serves to lay on me love. Mm. And then I can respond appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need to be bothered. <laughs> like that, that's, mm. that's another form. That's another part of that in me is like, I, I don't need to be busy measuring myself for what I should be doing. Mm. I want to, I'd rather, and I've, I've learned that I think all that Jesus is asking of us is to pay attention to him. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we behold him, we go from glory to glory. Yes. It says in second Corinthians. Um, so the mechanism by which transformation happens is just by beholding him. Mm-hmm. And this is where um, all the language that Paul gives about the righteousness that is performed by us is like little more than filthy rags yeah. begins to really take hold um, because it's the, the work of God that produces such things in us. And the language of the fruits of the spirit being fruits versus actions that we cultivate through discipline <laughs> over time yeah. um, really begins to take hold as well because a fruit is something that is produced just by the nature of the tree. Right. Um, so a fruit that is of the spirit would seemingly be produced just by the presence of the spirit. Um, yes. Yes. And this this is the same language that Jesus gives in John 15, where he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. And I am the vine and you are the branches and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have like so much, um, such a strong case for this mm. concept of just leaning back and allowing the Lord to produce these things in us. So the gospel is much less like you were saying earlier, do these things um, so that, um, or act this way so that, or perform this way so that, um, but it's much more, Mm. I have done this thing and therefore you are this. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, and, the, and that is something that is actually literally true, not just figuratively like, oh, this is just what I think about myself. <laughs> but it actually right. materializes into the physical 
as I take hold yeah. of that in faith and I believe as Jesus said to do, right. then I actually am that. <laughs> this is the, the miraculous aspect of it where it is not yeah. something that, the, the gospel is not something that works absent the reality of God. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, there's there's nothing about it that makes any sense if God is not present bringing it about in his power which is why Paul says that you are saved by grace through faith mm. um, and not of works lest any man should boast um, right and I want to add one to that mm -hmm. and, and Paul's affirmation when he is giving exhortations, mm -hmm. a common phrase for him is according to the faith given to him. Mm. Mm -hmm. He doesn't use absolute measurements in, in those uh, discipling, fathering moments. He says, according to what you've received, mm. do. Mm -hmm. Don't do more than, don't try to be doing more than what you actually have. Mm. Neither withhold, mm. but according to what you've been given, do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in yeah. Jude, it says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. <laughs> yes, that's so good. So there's even a level in which the faith that's given to you can be increased by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um. But there was one other question I wanted to ask, and then, and this could be a whole other long thing. Um, but where do you see the place of choice in all of this? Yeah. Yeah. The first, the first thing that comes to mind is that um, one of the things I've really learned, and and I've been seeing clearly experientially, but also really seeing a lot more um, substance in uh, like theologically, scripturally, mm. um, is God's desire for our honesty. Mm -hmm. And I see him uh, uncontrollingly being very provocative. Ooh, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just clicked something. The scripture that says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? He mm. who has clean hands and a pure heart. These are the mm. things that Jesus does. But then he says, who does not lift up his name to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And that last part mm. seems to speak to that honesty. Yeah, that'll preach. <laughs> yeah, no, yes, yes. Mm. Sorry, keep yeah, going. <laughs> there, no, there is, and there is a, there is a, I, I mean, if, if there's any, um, like, there's a lot of interactions where Jesus is doing that. And I, I remember I was even, I was talking to my mom recently about this, mm. um, about, uh, um, about how the churches that we went to when I was younger and, and some of the teaching around that. And one of those things that I have realized, like I, I no longer think the way that I used to, mm. and it's taken a little while to really kind of come to grips with this is 
why is Jesus asking questions? Mm. And the way I was kind of taught was was that Jesus asks questions because they're the most powerful teaching tool. Mm. And I no longer agree with that answer to that question. Mm. Mm -hmm. I do believe that those questions are powerful, but also for other reasons beyond being a teaching tool. I think it's because one of the things that he most wants is our honesty. Mm. 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 And his ability, and this is where I, what, what has felt really striking to me about Jesus is that he does not have a script. Mm. He, I think, and so in the story that really illustrated this to me that came to mind when I was talking about this recently was the story of, um, I always want to say it's a Samaritan woman, but it's not a Samaritan woman. Um, it's the, this woman comes to him and says uh, that his, that her daughter is sick. Oh, uh, the Phoenician or son is, woman, I think it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he's not having it. Like, mm. He's like, you're now. And, and actually, I think in the story, it says that she's like crying out. Like she's really upsetting the moment. Mm. Um, and the disciples are like, Jesus, can you please send this woman away? Like, mm. this is annoying. <laughs> um and uh, and so there's an exchange there, and and in the, in the course of this exchange, Jesus is like, "You're begging on me to do this," and he's like, "I'm not, I'm not here for you. Mm. I didn't come here for you. I came here first for the Jews." Mm. And she and her response to him is, "Yes, but even like uh, a dog coming for the for the crumbs, like." This is, I'm still here. Mm. (laughs) And his response is shock. Mm. His response is he turns around and looks at all his disciples and he goes, this woman. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember I just, it it, it like literally popped into my mind, like all simultaneously, the shock of Jesus. Mm. His, his like exclamation Mm. as a response to this woman's response. Mm-hmm. It was really fascinating, and mm. it, it like just struck my heart so deeply to see Jesus shocked, see see Jesus, um, not just responding to a script. He he takes this response and he turns to his disciples and he's like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, like what?" Mm. And and it's beautiful. It's 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 like he responds with, um, "Go, mm. your your son is healed." Mm. Mm-hmm. And she goes. And I even actually, what's funny is I continued to read the story after this conversation. I went and looked at the story and just kind of refreshed my memory. And and I think if I'm remembering this right, in this story, he she is coming back the next day, mm. and her servants had come out to meet her on the road and then say, "Your son is better." He's mm. been healed. And then she, it says, the story it says, and she remembered all of a sudden mm. and asked them, what hour did he begin to get better? Mm. And she realizes that, and it's, the text says it this way, like how it kind of explains, like 
she then realized that it was the same exact hour that she had been talking with Jesus. Mm. And all of these kind of a few of these facets really illustrated to me how Jesus's way of asking questions and answering questions mm. so, so meets us beyond a script of the right or wrong thing to say. Mm. Um, and <laughs> mm. um, mm-hmm. yeah, and that our, our honesty uh, really weighs in to that in. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's a concept. If you can't be honest with the things that are seen, then how can mm. you ever begin to hope to understand the things that are not seen? Mm. And so there's this sense in which to understand the things that are not seen, to come into a position of faith, you have to be honest about the things that are seen. Yeah. And I, I wonder if this is part of why in First John you have the famous passage, um, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Mm. And so there's something about the act of acknowledging I don't have it <laughs> that then yeah. allows you to receive it. Yeah. Like, how can you receive a thing that you think that you don't have? Yeah. Or that you think that you and, have already. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, re- and repeat, repeat, because I'm almost like re-metabolizing this. Like, repeat mm-hmm. the question to you in its earlier form, the way that you asked it, if you can. Um, which one? About choice? Yes. Yeah. Um, like the, is it the role that choice plays? Yeah. What's the role that choice yeah. plays in all of this? Yeah. Because um, I really want to ground that again because I, I it kind of gets, feels a little bit out there. Mm. Um, but to like kind of restitch, it it feels so clear to me that um, that that's why that matters mm. or that's, that's how that's real. Right. Um, because, you know, we get into these deep, camps mm. about power and choice and, and whatnot. And, and um, yeah, that to me has shaped in some sense, like a different Jesus mm. <laughs> in my mind. Um, a, a Jesus who is, um, I'm, I'm re- kind of almost reversing the question back on you. It's mm. what is the role that my choice plays? My understanding of this is now seeing Jesus chooses Right. And that that's that has um taken away like uh, this is kind of coming from a different angle but like takes has taken away it for me is some of the anxiety mm. of like am I making the right choice and mm. um you know what role does my choice play in salvation mm-hmm. and what I see rather is that I think choice, just like the way you were saying it, is clean hands and a pure heart, is God reaching toward us, toward our heart. Mm. Is he's trying to awaken like Steve, like uh, Peter um, or John, like um, to awaken the heart to choose. Mm. Does mm. it make sense? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And he's doing that by himself being free. Mm. He's actually free to choose. And that's the nature of love. And that either many of us are in a bondage that keeps us from choosing, whether mm. because of lies or the choices that we make are subject to frustration. Mm-hmm. That um, I I think of this like Bonhoeffer describes, um, uh, it is my choice but he comes asking me to follow first. Mm-hmm. God's action always precedes mine. Right. And which I think is loving. I think it's actually empowering and it's unmanipulative for mm-hmm. him to be that way. Um, and in another sense, it's very, it's baptizing mm-hmm. to be like given, um, given my heart back. Mm. And it makes me want to follow him. <laughs> mm. It's not just about making a making a choice or a mental assent. Jesus is Lord. Mm. It's wow. Jesus is Lord. Mm. It's it's uh there's there's something there's something in that for me that feels baptismal mm. in an encounter with Jesus, an encounter with love, um, kind of anoints us or or frees us mm. to choose. And so rather than trying to quote unquote get, and this is, goes back to something we were mentioning earlier about like, it's not my job to, to get someone to choose Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's rather this uh, encounter um, that to love someone well or to demonstrate Jesus to them mm-hmm. um, might be all that they need <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to... Um, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. I think that the active decision of God to save mm-hmm. um, then opens up the door for us to receive. Yeah. Um, yes. Mm. And I think there there seems to be some sense in which he actually leaves it entirely up to us whether or not we're going to embrace him. Yeah. Although... It also seems to be clear that there is only a certain period of time where we will not see him as he is, regardless. Yes. Meaning that the one who chooses Uh, may begin to see him as he is. Yes. And the one who does not will one day see him as he is, too. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe I would would say this, too, because I, I feel like that's... I, I think I even understand in a little different way what, mm. what you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. My understanding of the the way that the gospel interacts with that question, mm-hmm. what I believe now is that um, <laughs> it's like, I guess it's like this, God's whole <laughs> like way of navigating this is to be himself. Mm-hmm. 
um, that God has no shadows in him. Right. And there is no good cop, bad cop Mm -hmm. game. There's no game of that. That's not how this works. Mm -hmm. There's no, if you don't choose now, then he's going to be mean to you later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's not being nice to you now so that you can get on his good side for later. Mm -hmm. It's, he is exactly who he is and he is hopeful and is acting always with the goal of you experiencing that. Mm-hmm. Like to me, like that's this version now that I understand in the kind of a continuity of the gospel and in a sense, like a, a kind of like eschatology mm-hmm. is that if you don't want that and if you don't want that now, you won't want it forever. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. uh, I think I sit a little closer to, and I say this with like, you know, with great, really my belief about it is really much more shrouded in a lot of mystery and curiosity and hopefulness, but mm-hmm. a kind of, um, uh, I guess they call it like an annihilation theology. Like, mm-hmm. like those who don't accept him, I, I think the, what, what happens to somebody who doesn't want that, who doesn't want the way that he is, is that's, that that's what they'll get. Mm. They will get not being with him because they don't want to be with him. Mm. and that 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 they'll get what they want mm. in a sense that that's like kind of the justice of God um, mm. and the ascent of God is mm-hmm. then you will get what you want and if you don't want him then you'll you'll get that mm. um, but I feel like what what I know about him is that in his lovingness he is his character <laughs> mm. is he wants the best for us and mm-hmm. so rather than being condescending about it, he's actually just honest about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the gospel and I think our role in in meeting people in their choice is um, I, I want to like be like Jesus to people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be Jesus to people. I want to be like Jesus to people. Mm. Maybe, maybe I'd say that's another kind of facet of this for me and choice is we're not Jesus. Yeah. This is not my job. Mm-hmm. My job is to be like him. Mm. My job is to walk with him. Mm-hmm. Um, my job is to um, tell people about him. Mm. Is, is I would hope that everybody who I meet experiences me and me in my friendship with Jesus. Right. That's, and I, I trust, it's this, I trust Jesus enough and I trust the Holy Spirit enough to um, provoke someone's longing. Mm. And I think in another sense, to provoke their honesty. So I, I get jazzed when people start being honest with me. Mm. Mm-hmm. I get so, and sometimes that's like even a little scary just because we all have our own stories. We have mm-hmm. the things that we're working out in our life. But I feel, I always feel a deep sense of like enthusiasm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm like, it gets really exciting when somebody gets really honest. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly. I don't get really jazzed when they just choose Jesus. I get jazzed when they start being really honest about what's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. and and what how they feel about it or the decisions that they're making and why um mm-hmm. because that to me is really truly um yeah <laughs> that's what i think jesus wants <laughs> like, mm-hmm. then you come into a position where you can actually receive yeah um yeah but wow this is beautiful i could talk about this all night long <laughs> <laughs> we are very capable of doing that <laughs> as already witnessed so far we're going to break this into like two parts at least will we how long have we been going for two hours oh that's typical podcasting that's fine <laughs> they'll listen to it <laughs> well, well uh well i want to say one more thing too i mm. i just to tag on on this i, I feel like one of the things that's been nagging me in a good way is also to like mention and and ask you for like at least a short clip of this like Hmm. I feel like one of the most one of the most substantive like if we miss this we are going to miss the gospel Hmm. I think God is hopeful Hmm. Hmm. like I, I think that is fundamentally in the heart of of the gospel that there is a sense of justice um but the 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 substance within the gospel itself not what it's opening it up to but just inside of it is i think it's god's hopefulness mm. Mm. that's true like how do you how do you see that in in like considering what part it plays or 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 how it's articulated um that hopefulness plays a role in what god what jesus is offering in the good news like his mm-hmm. preaching mm-hmm. um so paul says um It says he died while we were still in the midst of our transgressions. Um, mm. So while we were far mm. away. And he says somewhere, I think this is in Romans, mm. that he did this so that we might be saved. Mm. Um, so there was no, and this is, I think, probably like, um, one of the strongest verses that I think really puts a big hole in some of the way that people understand um, predetermination um, mm-hmm. is that it seems to indicate that it was possible that he could have gone to all of this effort and not a single person would have embraced him. Yeah. Um which we know has not at all been the case. Um, Mm -hmm. And there also seems to be some sense in which that wasn't necessarily the case because Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, Right. So he's confident about it. Yeah. There was, there's definitely a sense in which he, he was very, but that in and of itself is hope. Mm. Um, Like Mm. this, it was not a um, 
a vague hope in the way that like a kid might hope for a certain Christmas gift. <laughs> this is a um a, a certain hope. Um and and in that I guess it shows the the intimacy with which the Lord approached this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like he was very intentional in the way that it was all revealed. He took thousands of years, <laughs> literally right. took thousands of years setting it up, yeah. had multiple vast empires and civilizations come up so that they can set the stage for some of these metaphors to be expressed well. Mm-hmm. Um, literally the, the culture that he comes and reveals himself to has this deep, rich, rich history that perfectly sets the stage for Jesus to accomplish everything that he wants to accomplish in 33 years. Yeah. Um, so he was very intentional in how he set it up. And he mm-hmm. knew the best way to convey this message, which I think is also an indication of hope. Like he put in mm-hmm. the time, <laughs> he put in the effort um, he endured the suffering because um, there's a lot of darkness that happened in between those mm. periods. Mm. Um, and you can see a lot of the suffering that he endured even with walking with Israel through that time in the book of Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Um, like the heart posture of God there. And then at the end, um, mm. he he always keeps the main thing the main thing. He's like, but I will restore you. I got yeah. something coming for you. I got well, something it's funny. coming. <laughs> it's just it's also funny because we don't often we don't think of that in the language of hope. Mm. We think of that in the language of either intention mm. or like future telling. Mm. Mm-hmm. And yet there is an aspect of that that could that it should be. Mm. understood as um, as hope, even within the mystery of God's relationship with time. Mm. Um, it's God who talks about hope. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's, not a, that's not something that we impose on him. It's actually something that he like commends to us mm. that he sets us on. Um, mm. Which even that, honestly, is just a really like provoking thought um, mm. to wrestle with. Mm. That he has such a high view. Mm. <laughs> he has such a um, he has such a trust. Yeah. In like hope rooted in love. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that, in terms of the hope that we have as a result of that, that was the hope that every thing that is broken will be healed and restored. Mm-hmm. And that that is the ultimate end of all things. Yeah. Um, which is a tremendous hope. <laughs> That's like the yeah. hope. There's no greater hope that you could have. <laughs> right. The hope that you were called to mm. in Christ. Mm-hmm. 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 And I, I see places, I see ways in which sometimes when we talk about, sorry, one second, mm. cat, cat life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lols. 
uh, I see ways in which that gets missed and it gets missed alarmingly often mm. in my in my experience mm. um, whether it's a cheapening of hope mm. or the total absence of it mm. you know it, it, and for some people they will only talk about it when it's a problem mm. but I see rather Paul and other I mean the other disciples almost like constantly attending the fire of hope they live there. They live and die by it. They are the ones experiencing the most, the most extreme need. Mm. Um, and they don't, they don't describe hope as a crutch. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so that, that really makes me ask some questions mm. <laughs> about the alignment or misalignment within our cultures of whether or not we're really grounded in the way that Jesus is asking and the way that that those who've come before us who have done it well mm. have lived um, with that. Like Heidi Baker mm. says it so well. Um, it, it's really like um, the crux of so much of what she describes is like the, the um, the hope of glory, right. Christ in you. Right. Mm-hmm. That was paramount. I would like, yeah. I have this very deep conviction that the more the church actually takes hold of the gospel and receives it, mm. the more that you will see that and the more effective the church will actually be in the world and this is why i said before that like i don't think the world is actually prepared to um persecute the church Mm. as the 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 real church (laughs) Mm. Um, yeah 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 like the the world is very primed and ready to persecute a group of people who are cling to a certain ideology. Um, Mm. The world is not ready to persecute a group of people who really understand that they are the children of God (laughs) Um, and that their father Mm. loves and cares for them. The world doesn't even have any context for understanding what such a thing looks like. Um, Right. And the reaction to that in earnest mm. is it, it transform it transforms literally everything about the way that we do everything um yeah mm. and i there's almost a sense in which i think there may be some fear at first um mm. but this is the importance of humility <laughs> um yeah. and as we understand that our purpose is to serve the world and not to <laughs> grip the world in our clenched fists and rule it with our iron grip. <laughs> yes. Yes. Then the more successful that will be. Um, yeah. But the world is not ready to persecute that yet. That would, they would have to believe in something a lot more than they believe in any of the things that they believe in right now. <laughs> yeah. 
honestly, that that would be another great conversation to you mm-hmm. um, another time about about. Um, I feel like so much of that has to do with understanding self, mm. like the 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 real reflection, the real like that just comes to mind because when Jesus talks about that, whether it's the Sermon on the Mount or otherwise, and he and he talks about like you'll or John fourteen, <laughs> like mm. John seventeen, he's like you'll be hated. Mm. But he, he he always gives the same exact caveat, and he says, because of me. Right, right. Because you were not of this world. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I really, like, I feel the conviction and the, like, the, the holiness, the mystery of, like, to be wanted to be killed because of love mm. is not the same as your your conviction and your ego. Mm. Mm-hmm. Your clenched, like the thing that flies in the face of, um, is it First Corinthians? Um, love does not insist on its own way. Uh, First Corinthians 13. Yeah. Mm. Like... And that's not just, you know, again, like I said, like at the beginning of this, I don't think the gospel is a formless thing, mm-hmm. but you better be prepared to let go mm. if you actually want to respond to Jesus mm. appropriately in light of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So there is a, there is a way in which, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's kind of like, um, uh, it's funny. We haven't even re- talked about that. <laughs> No, we haven't. We haven't. We, haven't. <laughs> we kind of did, but we and, didn't mention it by that name. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, actually, that's just true. We did, but mm-hmm. the the I, I I feel like, and I, I I agree with you. I think wholeheartedly that I I do see ways in which people who identify with certain really just really ideologies. Mm-hmm. Um, are thinking that they're being persecuted for Jesus when, in fact, um, I don't think that's what's going on yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I, I think as well that I, like the longing for the church to be rooted rather or rooted first mm-hmm. <laughs> in that concern to be like, don't don't worry about that mm. like being persecuted is not the sign that you're right 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 that's not what makes you right mm-hmm. <laughs> um that may be an injustice mm-hmm. also i i did want to like throw in uh no i won't do that we'll talk about that another time <laughs> but, but um i'll just say that that like i um yeah the mm-hmm. refinement of of i think being in right relationship with god also gives us a really clear view of ourselves, mm, um, mm-hmm. capable of understanding, um, rather than a need to defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think it disarms that mm-hmm. um, in a really, truly deep way, which is why when we see suffering from um, believers in the Bible or or in early church history and even in later church history, mm-hmm. um, there is just a whole different character about it. Right. Um, 
and that like willingness to um, suffer is not self-willed. Mm. It's not self-imposed. Mm-hmm. They often run from it. Mm. Um, and um, there's such a dignification of of like um, of such a profound sense of awareness mm. and and wisdom and maturity um, that either comes through the process or is so visible. Stephen is a great example, like the story of Stephen mm-hmm. being brought on and he and in this really beautiful way i don't i don't think it's like a maturity thing but it is actually a maturity thing in a, in its own way mm-hmm. that stephen is so young but he is he's chosen partly because of the maturity that he like in his simplicity he's actually very mature right and and so when he um stands up in that moment um and and you know speaks the truth Mm-hmm. That's why he's killed, <laughs> mm-hmm. and there's a there's a juxtaposition and a paradox between like something that's actually kind of hard to understand between Stephen and Peter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Peter's mm-hmm. like loudmouth history, mm-hmm. and that Stephen is not a theologian. He's mm-hmm. not a high-minded person but he articulates the mystery of all the gospel and all the history yeah. of, of Israel with such not force like violence, but with such profundity mm. mm-hmm. that it stings so yeah, hard. It's a pride thing. Oh man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I literally think I, what I believe about that is that the maturity on display shows such a profound presence of humility mm. mm-hmm. and that moment God is is I mean obviously God loves Stephen mm-hmm. <laughs> like we we also like I want to be careful not to depersonalize him mm-hmm. not to make him fit my story but I, I that feels so true like recognizing the the simple man that Stephen is and he's young mm-hmm. but the maturity cuts through mm-hmm. <laughs> that that humility it like gets met by the Holy Spirit mm. and the truth that gets told is so is so provoking mm-hmm. that it it eggs them to violence yeah and that's it's unjust it's wrong mm-hmm. it's not right to mm-hmm. kill him it's wrong to kill him mm-hmm. very much so yeah Mm. Wow. Yeah. And maybe I'll I'll just tag that with like um that's that's something that I would love to talk about later too at some point is just our like suffering and mm. and the marriage between suffering and hope. Mm. Um because some, some a moment like that that's so hard and so heavy mm-hmm. um is also in its own story is so illuminated by the resurrection, mm. Stephen with God. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it, the story doesn't end in death. The story ends in Paul mm. being present. And that's where we, we, that's where we first meet Paul in the story. All right. Saul. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and God, and and God, like yeah, <laughs> like we see this like incorruptible life. We see Jesus meeting, like mm. oh gosh, it's like it's like not the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's such a vivid picture of the gospel, of mm. like love well expressed, mm-hmm. um, puts itself in the ground, and then springs up a hundredfold. Mm. Wow. That's so good. Mm. Yeah. So to close, um, this has been amazing. Everything I hope to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> to close, just some like practical things. Um, the gospel is something that is to be preached. Um, I think to preach yes. a thing, you have to know it. Um, we have to live it. I don't think the gospel is something to be preached from someone who's standing afar or someone who's on the outside, even though we do see examples of people doing that in scripture. Um, and <laughs> um, <laughs> what did Paul say? <laughs> Doesn't usually, usually work out. Or is it super great? <laughs> No, well, but the, there's like an example of um, who was it? It was either Paul or Peter, but one of them was saying like, um, I don't care what's happening as long as the gospel is being preached. <laughs> yeah, that's Paul. That's insane. Yeah, incessantly talked about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would that's like true. to encourage you if you're listening to really mm-hmm. engage with, um this concept of what Jesus came to do. Um, We have typically in a lot of Christian circles, the concept of the gospel has been reduced to Jesus died for your sins so that you can go to heaven, Um, Mm. which is true, but that is like, perhaps the most surface level description of what he did. And it doesn't at all encapsulate all the things that he paid for, for you to be enjoying and experiencing now. Um, And so the reality of the situation is much, much deeper than that. So I would encourage you to like really engage with what it is that he paid for. Um, And that's something that you can find all throughout the New Testament and in the Old Testament too, as you start to understand it. Um, But I would just encourage you to like really dive into the scripture and make it your business to understand that and ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Mm. And as he does allow it to birth fruit in you and just walk in what it produces, this is not something that we're supposed to work up in our own strength. The position of the believer is to believe. Um, and everything else the Lord accomplishes through the power of the Holy Spirit um, working within you. Um, so be open to that happening, but your 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 role is to believe. And I'm not going to act like that's a simple ask because really it is good news and it's incredible news. <laughs> and so believing is like kind of a task (laughs) and something that you may need his help to do. Um, You actually almost certainly will need his help to do because he has to be involved in every aspect of it. (laughs) Um, But that's, 
that's the ask for you is to to believe and allow this to produce something in you that then allows you to preach something with authority that you've seen and that you know that produces life. Um, so make that your business. Um, pursue the Lord in that. And yeah, um, I think we'll probably talk more about this in the future. Um, I'm sure because this is the kind of the center of everything. <laughs> so everything is probably yes. going to come back to this in some way. Um, oh, it will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but mm. yeah, 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 engage with the Father. Engage with the yeah. Son. <laughs> engage yeah. with the Holy Spirit. Don't just let these mm. things fly in one ear and out the other. Like that's the the whole purpose of life. If you yeah. accomplish anything in life, let it be that you lock eyes with Him. Yeah. Um. Be honest. Yeah. Anything else is like fleeting and passing away. That is an eternal thing, and it opens up the door to all sorts of other eternal things. Um, so if you accomplish anything in life, let it be that. But anything you want to say to close? Agreed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think often of the gospel as God's introduction mm -hmm. to us. Um, and there's like a, there's a certain quality about it. That's like, I'm, I'm glad I met you mm. and I'm glad that you wanted to meet me. Mm. And I'm, and so the, it's not that that is all of that encapsulates the gospel, but I, I think in a lot of ways, there's, there's places where that feels like that. Mm. And, um, that, we didn't even really talk about repentance, but in, in, in some ways there's the realization that this was a conversation that God always wants to have with every person. Mm. And that conversation is, uh, who I, who he is and who you are to him. Mm. And the, the beginning of that means so much. Um, and it also, doesn't necessarily have an end <laughs> it's it's a it's a reality that once opened uh is such a gift mm. and such a such a well um it's, a, it's just a source mm -hmm. for so much um healing mm -hmm. for um yeah, mm. <laughs> for the things that he, for who he is and the becoming more acquainted with him, mm. and so the my my encouragement would 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 be and probably will always be, um, be willing and be tender, mm. um, and he will always respond um, to dignify that from you, mm. um, to show you how worth it it is to give him a chance, mm. um, in that conversation. And so, uh, it's way more than some ideological, you know, framework, or it's so much more than just another set of rules to live by. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the beginning of a relationship. It's a, it's a, I think it's a, um, 
it's a, just a little bit of a realization just outside of yourself. Mm. And so it draws us out, but also brings us home mm. to ourselves. Mm. And I find that to be a real, a real mercy mm. <laughs> in the modern life um, to, to get unstuck um, or to, to find uh, like a, um, some wind in mm. some windless oceans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's good. And um, it's worth engaging with too. It's just such a, it's a process mm-hmm. and it's good that it be that way mm-hmm. rather than um, what I was just saying this to someone this week, like often the end of spiritual life or the death of it is certainty. Mm. And the, the gospel is uh, kind of the acknowledgement uh, <laughs> that um, there is more mm-hmm. to what you've seen. Mm-hmm. And it's good that it's that way. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Well, go read your Bibles, kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank y'all for listening. We'll talk to you guys later. 